Well, good afternoon and welcome to another special Covenant Network live broadcast from the Seek 23 conference at the America Center in downtown St. Louis. A wonderful conference happening here sponsored by Focus, the Fellowship of College and University Students. I'm Adam Wright, happy to be back with you and... Uh, Really, it's the Seek 23 conference, but in many ways it feels like the Patty Schneier Extended Catholic Family Reunion. You, you know everyone here. It's been so much fun. I keep running into people with 20 years of, of experience in ministry, and everybody that I know in every state I think that I've ever spoken in is here at the Seek conference. So it's just so beautiful to see so many young people, but so many priests and religious, and I'm just having a blast. You're right. I am. I can't, I can't deny it. I am absolutely in my glory. Lori here uh, meeting so many wonderful people that are all on fire for God, and, and that's why we're here, and it is. It's one big Catholic family. Well, speaking of people that we know, uh, Father Jeffrey Schulte, back when he was just seminarian Schulte, mm -hmm. and I worked yeah. together at a parish here in St. Louis. He's a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls in North Dakota. South Dakota. Uh, South Dakota. Well, I got Dakota. We'll, we'll take that. It's been a long day, Father. Uh, but, you know, we could use some prayer, and I'm very happy you're with us because I always love to have a priest to pray with us. So if, if you could lead us in prayer. All right, let's do this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God, we thank you and just praise you for this day you have given us, for the glory of your name and for your Son. And for this new year and this time to be here to gather at this Focus Conference, we just ask that you continue to enlighten our hearts and our minds to, to do your will, to follow you. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. The Father, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Well, this afternoon, one of the things we're going to be focusing on, uh, no pun intended, one of the things we'll be looking at are vocations, and we're also in a time of Eucharistic revival. And as we mentioned this morning on Roadmap to Heaven, you know, focus and vocations seem to go hand in hand, whether that's the vocation of holy matrimony, the vocation to the consecrated religious life, or the vocation to the priesthood. And Father Schulte, that's actually part of your story. I mean, I met you when you were seminarian, Schulte, but yeah. before that, tell us a little bit about how focus factored into God calling you to the priesthood. Well, I was at uh, the S South Dakota State University, go Jackrabbits. They're going to beat the bison in, uh, here in a, uh, what is it, a couple weeks or whatever. Um, so I was there studying uh, graphic design, and it was my sophomore year. And I moved into this house, and next door lived the Focus Missionary and other men, Catholic men. And then the Newman Center was just beyond that. And I grew up Catholic. But I was, seek I was seeking something in my faith, and this Focus missionary came up to me and said, hey, would you, know, would you like to be in a Bible study? And I'm thinking in my head, no way. Like, that's, that's <laughs> Bible studies are for losers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm somebody that's uh, it's hard to say no to. I'm just a very kind person. And um, so I was like, yeah, sure, you know, yeah, that would be great. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, like, I'll go to, like, one or two, and then I'm just going to, you know, ditch out and say, sorry, I got busy or something. But <laughs> You had your plan. I had a plan, yeah. And then God had his. Yeah, I, and then I actually started to enjoy <laughs> going to the Bible study. Imagine and, that. Yeah. And, um, and then from there on, uh, eventually became, like, uh, James Kozlowski, uh, he was a missionary at the time, and yeah, he's just a great man, a man of prayer, a man of God, and he just kept, you know, meeting with me and became, and then became a student uh, missionary disciple, and um, I went to seek. My last seek I went to is in 2013 in Orlando, Florida. 
So it's been 10 years, so I'm happy to be back here, especially in St. Louis. Wow, this is awesome. Very cool that Focus is here in St. Louis, where yeah. you went to seminary. So for you, it's kind of a little yes. reunion, too. Yes. I bet you're running into a lot of people here that you know. Oh, yeah. I got to see so many priests, uh, other seminarians, and other people in, like Adam. Yeah, yeah. got to meet yeah. run into Adam. So this has been great, yeah. Wonderful. Well, Father, you've been ordained for almost two years now. So mm -hmm. what was your ordination date? May 28th of 2021. Okay. And what is your current assignment? I am assigned in Aberdeen, South Dakota. It's almost, it's uh, the northern part of the state, so maybe 30 miles from North Dakota border. Um, and so there's two parishes in town that are four blocks from each other. So there's four priests, and one of them's a pastor of basically all, all of Aberdeen. Uh, there's the... Sacred Heart, St. Mary's Parishes, the, the Newman Center is uh, St. Thomas Newman Center at Northern State University, where I'm a part-time chaplain. That's how I do part of my work, and that's how I got here. Uh, do you have focus on campus there? We do, yes. All right. yeah. So I assume you're going to be inviting some young men to a Bible study as well. Well, I... <laughs> you got to pay it forward, Father. <laughs> pay it forward. Yes, I, I try to do my best, uh, yeah. but that's also the, why we have missionaries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I know uh, the life of a priest is a busy one, but we yeah. would not have the sacraments without you. So I'd like to say thank you for saying yes to your vocation. Of it was course. a privilege to know you as a seminarian, and so uh, great a blessing to know you uh, and, and run into you now, ordained a priest in service of the church. And, and I just want to say, um, again, we're just seeing so much fruit of what mm -hmm. Focus has done throughout the years. And again, so many vocations of the young people that are here can attribute part of their vocation story to being a part of focus either on some big state secular college campus where they were invited to a Bible study or be yeah. being some of the missionaries themselves. And then they go on and discern a, a, a vocation to the religious life or priesthood. So if people have never heard of focus, I mean, just for our general listeners right now, focus fellowship of Catholic university students. It is amazing to be a part of this here this week at this conference and to be here with over 17,000 young people. If you add all the vendors and all the priests and everybody else, it's probably about 20,000 people that are yeah. here. Yeah. Um, just phenomenal. Exactly. Well, Father, I want to thank you for opening us up in prayer today and sharing a little bit of your vocation story with us here on Covenant Network. We are going to take a break. I bet it's a little colder in North Dakota than it is here. South Dakota. Uh, and it's, well, I'm, I'm confident it's colder in North Dakota, too, <laughs> yes. because that's even farther north of South Dakota. Um, but we're going to go to Mike Roberts now to get you a check of the weather, and then we'll be back broadcasting live from Seek 23 after this. Today is the feast day of St. Telesphore, Pope and Martyr. He established the Midnight Mass, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, and the celebration of Easter on Sunday. This is also the feast day of St. Genevieve. Born in France in 422, Genevieve was the daughter of Severus and Geronica. When she was seven years old, St. Germanus visited her town while he was making his way to Britain. A large crowd gathered to hear him speak and receive a blessing, and while he was speaking to them, he noticed Genevieve. Immediately, Germanus was given an insight into her holiness, and he told the entire crowd that young Genevieve would live a life of great sanctity. Afterwards, she asked Germanus for spiritual direction. He took her to a nearby church and consecrated Genevieve to the Lord. The next day, he confirmed her newly dedicated life by giving her a brass medal engraved with the cross and telling her never again to wear any other bracelets or necklaces. 
After the death of both of her parents, Genevieve went to live with her grandmother and at the age of 15 left to become a nun. From that point on, she lived a life of prayer, service, and fasting. Genevieve was also blessed with numerous gifts from the Holy Spirit, including visions. However, when she described those visions, many were threatened. In fact, it would take the intercession of Germanus to keep her from being martyred. Genevieve also became an advisor to the king and during a famine asked his permission to help. She took a fleet of boats to Troy and brought back enough corn to feed all of Paris, preventing starvation and the collapse of the city. Later, when Attila the Hun was on his way to Paris, she advised the entire city to remain in their homes and pray rather than flee. Attila abruptly changed course and did not invade Paris. She died on this day in Paris in 512. After her death, many miracles were attributed to her, most notably during the fever of 1129, when all who touched her shrine were healed. St. Genevieve, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are continuing our very special coverage from the Focus Seek 23 convention at the America Center in downtown St. Louis. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Schneier, and we are happy to be joined now by Hillary Drafts, a full-time Focus missionary. Uh, well, you became a full-time Focus missionary in 2005 mm-hmm. after earning your bachelor's degree in film studies and English, and now you work for Focus. So, Hillary, it's so good to have you with us Welcome. today. Thanks so much. Great to be here with both of you. So tell us a little bit about what you do for Focus now. My current role with Focus is as West Area Director. So we have all the campuses in the uh, domestic campuses here in the United States split up into four areas. So I have the territory from North Dakota down to New Mexico and to the Pacific Ocean, basically. So I get to work with 46 campus teams and about 230 missionary staff. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, we're both wow. So now now I want to go back to the origin story, though, because, (laughs) I mean, it wasn't just one day you woke up and said, hey, I heard about this organization called Focus. I'll I'll go apply for a job there. You were in college, and then you had a focus experience and became a missionary. So tell us a little bit about how that happened. Where did you go? Uh, I grew up in the Denver area. I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, and it was the only school I applied to. It turns out the Lord wanted me there for the sake of being involved with campus ministry and with focus specifically, and uh, it's shaped my whole life. But I I just went there because I wanted to be a film studies major, and that was the only in-state school that had it in Colorado, so here here I went. And I knew I wanted to get involved with my faith. I had no idea what a Bible study was. So my first weekend at Mass, they announced, hey, Bible study uh, is going to be happening. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of dumb. (laughs) And I didn't intend to go. But at the Welcome Back Barbecue that evening, I had met this boy I thought was cute. Happened to run into him the day of the come and see Bible study thing and on campus out of, you know, 20,000 people. What are the odds I run into this one guy? And he said, hey, you going to that Bible study thing tonight? And I said, yeah, (laughs) of course I'm going to that Bible study. Of course, that sounds great. (laughs) So that was the initial thing. I, I came to this large group, come and see, just one-time Bible study. And um, I mean, our, our the, the missionary, focus missionary, who was our team director at the time, who led the Bible study, is now Dr. Ben Akers. He runs form.org. I mean, he's, he's a big deal. I had no idea. I just knew that I had never seen scripture opened up like that. I had never had it applied to my life in that way. And I thought, whatever this ongoing small group thing is, I got to join it. So I got into a women's Bible study and it changed my life. Now, I've been learning some of the lingo here at Focus. And and one of the terms we've heard is glory stories. Mm -hmm. And this sounds like the beginning of one of these glory (laughs) stories that you you end up at a Bible study. uh, However, the Lord got you there. He got you there. Uh And your life ends up changed. So what happened next? 
Well, uh, what happened next is the part that's kind of hidden, like the mustard seed in the soil. It takes time and it takes development, you know, for it to grow and to bear fruit. So I um, just joined a weekly Bible study. I started hanging out with Christian friends and, and really starting to pray every day and develop that, that life of prayer. And over time, uh, those habits, you know, formed me over and over uh, again, week in, week out. And uh, I actually started to, to really change my life and to grow closer and closer to the Lord every day. That's what I love because so many people think, well, she went to a Bible study and got, a, you know, introduced to Focus. And then all of a sudden now you're working for Focus. No, there's mm -hmm. so much in between. Mm -hmm. So many little tiny yeses. So many things that have to become habits mm -hmm. that have to become part of your life. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a natural progression. Absolutely. And you see where the Lord has been, has had his hand in all of it. Mm -hmm. But that's what's so beautiful is because it isn't an, an instant thing mm -hmm. um, for all of us. It's a journey, of course. We talk a lot about journey here on Covenant Network. Um, but what a beautiful journey yours is by, again, saying yes mm -hmm. and then developing those habits, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. All right. So then at some point, you said, hey, or Focus said, hey, Hillary, we need to talk. Yeah, who tapped and whom? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, our missionaries had like a wine and cheese event uh, my senior year for for upperclassmen to come and see what being a missionary would be like. They did like a Q&A panel, all the common questions about missionary life. And I had thought about it before, but I was really serious about my major. I wanted to go to graduate school right away, and I was applying to that. Um, so it came to the spring, and uh, but I had kind of said, you know, by that time I was leading a Bible study of my own with my peers, and it was the highlight of my week. I loved having these women come over to my apartment, opening up the Word of God with them, watching them grow in their faith. And so I thought, you know, I should at least give being a focused missionary a shot. So I filled out that application while I was applying to grad school. And at the end of the day, it was just the joy in my heart. When Focus called and made me a job offer, I was like bouncing off the walls. I was so excited. And I had no idea I would react that way. Mm. Compared to graduate school was kind of the next step. It just, it sort of left me feeling like, okay, I could do this. Um, but it, it didn't give me the joy that giving my life away to others um, as a missionary would do. So where were you a focused missionary? Well, so my first year I served at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Oh. And my second year I went up to North Dakota, University of North Dakota in Grand Forks. And uh, at first I, when I came on staff, I thought I would just do two years and be done. That's kind of our intro commitment. Uh, introductory commitment is the two-year thing. And then I thought I would go back to grad school, but I was just so fulfilled every year. I was growing and growing. I was being stretched like crazy. The focus was growing and the need for leadership was clear. So I I was getting these opportunities that um, to lead that I never would have imagined in any other organization. So then I stayed. In my third year, I went to um, the East Coast. I served as an associate regional director um, and then was really hoping to get back home to Colorado. So I get to be on campus at my alma mater for three years at the University of Colorado. Oh, awesome. And now 11 years I've been at our support center office uh, wow. at our headquarters. Yeah. It's like a Johnny Cash song. You've been everywhere. you know. So, <laughs> and, and speaking of which, I mean, this is our first time at a seat conference, but this is not your first rodeo being at a seat conference. Oh, no. I, my first conference, we we didn't call it seek back then, but Focus National Student Leadership Conference. It wasn't quite as catchy. Um, in 2003 in Kansas City uh, was my first experience. And there was probably 400 people there. I mean, now I go to staff gatherings with you know, half of our staff at our new staff training. I go to those gatherings and it's the same size as the whole conference. It was every student involved in Focus. Um, was at those back in the day. So it's, it's been amazing to watch it grow over the years, and we're so glad to be back. I was going to say, you've um, come on board at a very exciting time to witness this growth mm -hmm. and to see this just become such an yeah. important part for young adult ministry mm -hmm. in the church. Like, you just say focus, and everybody knows what that is, mm -hmm. which is awesome. All right. Now, Hillary, one of the things we know, because we have the app. We've been looking ahead at the schedule. You're giving a talk Thursday night mm -hmm. here, and uh, I, I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but I'd love to give a sneak peek. So what can we look forward to hearing on Thursday night? Ooh, Thursday. So... Um, that is the talk going to be about how do we build 
fitting to what we've been talking about. How do we build the habits of discipleship? So mm. um, we'll look at the scripture verse Acts 2.42 and talk about how we live fellowship, how we live prayer, how we live breaking of the bread and the teaching of the apostles. So, All right. I've got to go go get the book of Acts out and read chapter 2 and yeah, brush right. up, especially on verse 42. So then um, of all the conferences you've been to, what is one of your favorite memories? I won't, pick, I, I won't make you pick your number one favorite because that might be too hard to do. <laughs> but what's one of the favorites? Um, one of the favorites, well, I certainly remember very fondly the last year, no, the second to last year I was on campus as a missionary in 2010, we were in Orlando and it was the first time we ever had a New Year's Eve conference and mm. Matt Maher played a New Year's concert, started at like 11 PM very on cool. New Year's Eve and they did this balloon drop from the ceilings <laughs> of the convention center, uh, right at midnight. And that was just so special. I was working with some students I really, really loved that are still dear friends of mine. And so just getting to experience that alongside them, I was newly engaged. My husband was there and, um, yeah, just, I love Matt Marr. I could yeah. listen to Matt Marr sure. concerts every day of my life. And what a great way to celebrate New Year's Eve. You know, you think of all the ways that the world says to celebrate New Year's mm -hmm. Eve. And here you were at a seat conference being fulfilled, surrounded by people who are on fire for the Lord. And that was the way you got to begin your year. Yeah, that's right. With 8,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> exactly. It was great. Yeah, this is the best New Year's party we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, 15,000 sure. of our closest friends here in yeah. St. Louis. Well, Hillary, Hillary, I want to thank you for being with us today. And uh, you know what I think is a treat for our listeners? Let's let's play a little Matt Marr after this. So we're going to take hey. a break here on our special broadcast from the SEEK convention and get you a little Matt Marr. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversations. Uh, we want to thank you for tuning in to Covenant Network. We'll be back after this. Vocation prayer for youth. Oh, Holy Spirit, spirit of wisdom and divine love, Impart your knowledge, understanding, and counsel to youth that they may know the vocation wherein they can best serve God. Give them courage and strength to follow God's holy will. Guide their uncertain steps. Strengthen their resolutions. Shield their chastity. Fashion their minds. Conquer their hearts. And lead them to the vineyards where they will labor in God's holy service. Amen. We are back. We're broadcasting live from the Focus Seek 23 conference in downtown St. Louis. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Schneier. And as Catholics, Patty, one of my favorite things about being Catholic is there's no shortage of reasons to celebrate. Oh, my and, gosh. You're not kidding. I will take any celebration I can get. Our next guest is celebrating a very special day for his order. That's Father Sean Hagerty, a Jesuit of the Eastern Province here in the United States. And, uh, Father, I, I have to ask, why is, I mean, other than we're in Christmas still, we're in the 12 days. Mm -hmm. Why is it a special day for you? So it's interesting. Uh, of all the orders, there's really only one that's named after Jesus directly, and that's the Society of Jesus with the Jesuits. And so today is our titular feast. It's the day that we celebrate the name of Jesus. It's the day that we celebrate our namesake. Um, and so for Jesuits around the world, uh, for Father General in Rome, for the 17,000 Jesuits everywhere, uh, it's a pretty big day, um, and we were so excited to be here at Focus to celebrate this with this great Catholic community. And the beautiful Mass that we had this morning Gorgeous celebrating mass. the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus here at the Dome, which I wish every single Catholic could have experienced. It was just truly beautiful this morning. Well, it begs the question, what's in a name? And, and when we ask that question today, well, quite a lot, quite frankly. You know, it, despite what William Shakespeare had to say about the inimportance of a name, Names for Catholics are, are vital. Yes. Um, when we think about the baptismal rite, the, the first question that you ask, one of the first questions that the parents are asked is, what name do you give your child? Mm. And 
So many of us are named after saints. My name is Sean, but that's, of course, Gaelic for John, and then Patrick. And my sister is named after Mary, and my brother is named after Francis Xavier. So there are incredibly important things when it comes to names. And for us to, to be linked to a name, to go back to a saint, to look at something that's part of our tradition, to be named after older family members, to be united with family, those names take on great significance and great weight for us. Now, one of the things that I've always uh, loved about our faith, when we talk about the holy name of Jesus, second commandment, right mm -hmm. off the, well, not right off the bat, but number two, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And yet it happens so often in our society and in our culture. And it's not just about, you know, don't disrespect the name of the Lord, but it, maybe rephrased, it's about don't misuse the power of the name because it's not a benign thing. The name of our Lord used to cast out demons, uh, used in blessings, invoked in every prayer we pray. This is a name we really are to treasure as a Catholic people. I remember specifically something that has stuck with me, and, and you're talking about this, the name, and then people misusing the name of God. If you think of OMG and mm -hmm. what people say constantly, oh my, and of course then they use the Lord's name, God, in an irreverent way. Every time I hear that, and I, we all hear it a lot, everywhere we, we go, we hear it even on television and within family members, I remember someone saying, whenever someone, ever, whenever someone does that and misuses the name of God, say this in your heart, blessed be God, blessed be his holy name. And so I utter that little prayer every time that I hear someone out in the world saying it irreverently or casually or OMG for whatever reason they want to use it, I just quietly say, Blessed be God, blessed be his holy name. You know, that, that second commandment is lived out in so many different ways. Our, our Jewish brethren, our Orthodox Jewish brethren, won't even say the word God for fear of invoking the Lord. And so the, the word that we see often is Adonai in the text, which directly translates to Lord. And that is something that we see in our tradition. We call Jesus Christ Lord. And that's incredibly important to us. And to avoid the tetragrammaton, that technical name for the name of God, becomes very important. But more important is, if we are Christians, if we, if we call ourselves disciples of Christ, then we are emissaries of the Lord's name. And so when we act in a particular way, when we act in a way that is not befitting of the name of the Lord, of the name that we are given as Christians, then we don't give honor to the, the Lord's name. We use the Lord's name in vain. Exactly. Now, uh, after many years of Jesuit education, I, I know this. <laughs> there's always a deeper meaning. And so it wasn't just a, a roll of the dice that St. Ignatius said, well, you know, it'd be a good name. We should just call ourselves the Society of Jesus. There's a deeper meaning. Why, why did he invoke our Lord's name? St. Ignatius, I think people forget this, was a mystic first. What he's known for, interestingly enough, is being an administrator and being a soldier and organizing the Society of Jesus, but first he was a mystic. And he got to know Christ while living in these caves in Manresa and wrote the spiritual exercises, which are the core of a Jesuit spirituality. And basically, it's accompanying Jesus Christ. It's being with Jesus. A significant part of St. Ignatius' spiritual exercises are contemplating Jesus' life and accompanying him as an apostle would have accompanied him or a disciple would have accompanied him and imagining what it's like to be with the Lord um, and drawing gratitude and joy which then motivates us to go out into the world and be those contemplatives in action. 
And so when Ignatius started to gather friends, many people think Ignatius was the only founder of the society. There were actually seven, and the famous ones are, are St. Francis Xavier and St. Peter Faber and St. Ignatius of Loyola. Um, they were companions. They were together, but the thing that brought them together was the love of the person of Jesus Christ. That was the core of their spirituality, that they all loved Jesus. And so when in 1540 they went to the Pope and they asked for a society to be formed, they asked what name they would give it. And San Ignatius said, well, we are the company of Jesus. We are the companions of Jesus Christ. And so La Compañía, the name in Spanish, was translated into the Latin Societatis, and Societatis Jesu, or the Society of Jesus, was born in 1540, much to the chagrin of many religious orders at the time. Um, St. Ignatius's heroes were St. Francis and St. Dominic. And obviously the order of preachers, the, the, the order that was founded by St. Dominic, become the Dominicans. And the order of St. Francis, the order of Friars Minor, becomes the Franciscans. So you would expect us to be known as... Ignatians. Ignatians. <laughs> and yet our name, the Jesuits, was actually a slur used against us by Protestant rivals of the church and by... Um, the church in England as a derogatory name against us, which we said, well, we kind of like that, and we took it on for ourselves. Wow. But, but it is a bold thing uh, to say that we are the society of Jesus or the company of Jesus. Well, I think of, on this day, one of my favorite prayers, blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. And those simple prayers with the name of our Lord that we can pray as aspirations throughout the day. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you, save souls. I love um, that prayer. You know, and, and all of these wonderful prayers to invoke our Lord's name. So, uh, Father, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. We are going to need to pause in a moment for station identification. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about vocations in this time of Eucharistic <laughs> revival. Uh, for more information on the Jesuits here in the United States, I know you're in the Eastern Province, but... But we have a national conference site. Be a Jesuit.org, uh, which everyone can visit. You can be a companion of Jesus, man, listening. If, if you are not married, it could be what God's calling you to. And Father Sean, thank you. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And, uh, meet here, you and I've learned, I mean, I've had children educated in Jesuit schools, my family, a lot of Jesuit tradition in my family, and yet I'm learning as we sit here, and you're teaching me a little bit more about our faith and about the name of Jesus, the Society of Jesus. Thank you for being a guest today thank you. on Covenant Network. You are listening to Covenant Network Catholic Radio, broadcasting live from the Seek 23 conference at downtown St. Louis, brought to you by the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. We are going to take a break for station identification, and when we come back, we're going to be talking vocations. Stay tuned. A prayer for daily neglects. Eternal Father, I offer thee the sacred heart of Jesus with all its love, all its sufferings, and all its merits. First, to expiate all the sins I have committed this day, and during all my life. Second, to purify the good I have done poorly this day and during all my life. Third, to supply for the good I ought to have done and that I have neglected this day and all my life. Amen.
We are back, and you are listening to Covenant Network, coming to you live from the Focus Seek 23 conference in downtown St. Louis. And we are so happy to be here. I am joined by Patty Schneier. It's been wonderful to be with you all week, Patty. And adding to the fun, adding to the, dare I say, the mayhem today, we have with us uh, Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George and then also Director of Vocations for the Order, and then Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, we've got Father Brian Alford with us. Both of you know strangers to Covenant Network, so it's good to have you back with us today. No strangers to the Covenant Network or to each other. <laughs> but now we're at SEEK. Exactly. Here we are. Exactly. So, um, you know, it, it's one of these beautiful, beautiful things. We are actually using pretty much every microphone right now, so I've got a find the correct one here for father and make sure you're live on the air as well so there we go we, we we got father on the correct microphone this morning uh your bishop because sister you reside in the diocese of springfield and father you're the rector of the cathedral and you, you may know the bishop uh was talking about the eucharistic revival going on in the united states and we also started talking about vocations which is a very important thing happening here at the seat conference so we have innumerable i've lost count of how many religious orders uh are of men, women, diocesan priests are here, um, and the importance of the young adults meeting those orders to say, well, God, are you calling me to this order? But at the heart of it is God. Is God, are you calling me? And it, what a wonderful thing to be asking that question during this time of Eucharistic revival. So Father, I'd like to start with you. I mean, really at its core, what do the Eucharist and vocations have to do with one another? Yeah, they have everything to do. We know that the church teaches that the Eucharist is the source and summit. And so if that's true, then a vocation living out our life as Catholics has to have the Eucharist at the center of it. And anecdotally, I mean, just being a vocation director for now uh, almost 10 years, almost to a man, they speak about the discernment that went on, that it became a lot more serious whenever they would take that time in adoration, time with the Blessed Sacrament, being there and asking the Lord in his presence, what do you want me to do? And it's from that encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist that I think they're able to hear and learn how the Lord speaks to them, and then they have the courage to respond to whatever that call is. So it's, it's, it's one and the same. I mean, without a devotion to the Eucharist, there is no vocation. Yeah, I think for sure. Spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament and learning the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Good Shepherd, uh, is so vital to the discernment of any vocation. But I was thinking, too, that that's the sacrament of the Eucharist where Jesus makes a total gift of himself to us. And really, any vocation is a means of making a total gift of, of self in response to the love that we've received. So... Um, what better place to discern that than before the Blessed Sacrament? Two things come to my mind. I remember um, then Archbishop Raymond Burke, Cardinal Burke, um, when I used to interview him and do a show with him here on Covenant Network, he once said, you will find your vocation in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So he used to, anyone that came to him asking about vocation discernment, he would say, you will find your vocation in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And as a married woman, I remember actually being blown away in one of the life-changing moments of our marriage was when I actually learned through Christopher West and Theology of the Body that my marriage was supposed to be Eucharistic. I had never heard those two together. And he, the question was, is your marriage Eucharistic? Like you just said, self-gift? Does it lead to union and communion, full union? All of these words that were sacred, holy words I had never associated, believe it or not, with marriage. So we're talking about all vocations here. Eucharist is the center of it. 
It is. It's, it's truly a, a wonderful thing. Now, Father, I was speaking with your counterpart, uh, Father Brian Fallon from the Archdiocese of St. Louis earlier, about this very idea of the Eucharist invocation, specifically to the priesthood. And immediately he said, Adam, the, the thing we always have to remember as priests, what we say in the consecration, this is my body given up for you. It's more than just our Lord's words. It is the vocation of a priest. My, my life given up for the church. And what a beautiful image that is that Father gives us. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and as a, as a person who celebrated Mass, you know, more than 5,000 times, every time you say those words, there's a real sense of, of, of wonder and awe that uh, the Lord has called me to, you know, be his instrument and to hold him in my hands is, uh, is just a very powerful uh, reminder of, of the gift that the Lord has given to me, which then expects of me to then be a gift, uh, as Sister said, a gift of self to, uh, to others in, in serving the church and serving the people of God. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's at the very core of our identity. We don't know who we are as priests without the Eucharist. Amen. Now, Sister, one of the other things you and I have talked about before is always that importance of relationship. We've already brought it up in this conversation and uh, just going to be with our Lord, because how can you know what he's calling you to if you don't spend time with him and dive into relationship with him? But it doesn't stop there. I mean, we often talk about you're not even a vocations recruiter. That's that's not what you do. You're just here to help those who might be hearing the call understand and discern if they're hearing the call. But what about after that? You know, we often talk about, okay, if you're discerning, go on this retreat or contact or go to a come and see weekend. But it doesn't stop there. It's not like the relationship ends on entrance day or ordination day. How does that time with the Eucharist help us as we then go to live the vocation? I think the key there is live the vocation, right? So really we're living that Eucharistic movement of being taken, blessed, broken, and then given and continually poured out. Um, we actually, the kind of the tradition in our community is that after we receive the Eucharist every day to renew our vows. So when we go back to our pews, it's kind of like part of our Thanksgiving is a renewal of that commitment that we've made of laying down our lives. And we have a mosaic in our chapel that uh, has three flames that kind of come up from behind the tabernacle, but they also come down from the Trinity. And so it's at the altar where the grace to live the evangelical councils is given, but it's also at the altar where uh, the gift of our lives through the evangelical councils is given. So there's that heart speaking to heart and that mutual gift of self that takes place in the sacrament of the Eucharist every day. Um, and the heart of our house in so many ways is our adoration chapel. So going in there and spending time, uh, being able to go in and pour out our hearts to the for the one who poured out his heart for us um, and to allow that exchange to take place in that space as well. Wow, how beautiful. you just saying that every time you receive Holy Communion, you come back and your Thanksgiving, you renew your vows. Mm-hmm. Wow. But you know, Patty, I'm thinking of one of our uh, Sarah Club meetings where we met the handmaids of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a new new to St. Louis religious order, but not a new religious order. And they're very rooted in service, but part of their constitution is they spend an hour in adoration every day because that is what sends them out to the service, to the poor, and to the marginalized, and to the needy. And Father, I mean, mean, we were talking about the Mass earlier. That's the end of every Mass. I mean, we gather to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, and what is the instruction when you send us out? Yeah, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Whatever the option is, it's always go, because what we have received, you know, calls us to live out our baptismal call, to be those missionary disciples, to go out and to be those instruments, to go places where I can't go as a priest, but where they can, to bring the Lord uh, to their daily lives and their families and their 
communities, workplaces, all of those places. I love that we can also go broken. That's, that's my favorite thing about our Lord, that he, he doesn't say, all right, when you're perfect, come and spend <laughs> oh, some time with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. When you have Thank that God. terrible day, and it's like, wow, I'm married, and I messed up at being a dad today, or I messed up at being a husband, or you know, things. there's sometimes tension, as there is, I think, in every vocation. Sometimes there's tension. And to say, all right, before I go and try and solve this on my own, I'm going to go spend some time with our Lord. Yeah, bringing all the broken pieces and, and dumping them out. Um, Philip Phillips, the guy who got famous for the song Home a number of years ago, he also had a song called Unpack Your Heart. And one of the sisters played it for me once. And um, the, the refrain is, bring your secrets, bring your scars, bring your glory, all you are. Bring your daylight, bring your dark, share your silence and unpack your heart. She goes, isn't that beautiful, that image of going before the Lord and just like pouring it all out? And I thought it was funny because when I heard it for the first time, I actually heard the opposite. I heard the, the prayer like begging Jesus to bring his secrets and to bring his scars and to unpack his heart into my heart. Uh, but yeah, there's room for both of those things. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as we think about this, and let's get into some of the practical of this, you know, because I remember my first time going to the Adoration Chapel. I had just come back from a Steubenville conference as a high school teenager. I was so excited, but I had never been to Adoration before outside of someone being on stage saying, all right, now we're going to pray like this. Now we're going to sing the song. And I get to the chapel. I'm like, what do I do? You know, and, and for some of us, it, we may still be relatively new to Eucharistic adoration. So what are some of the things you do when you spend that time with our Lord in the chapel? Uh, you know, I think uh, the way you start is so, is so essential. A uh, prayer that I, that I learned uh, um, several years ago was to just, you know, just take that time and come before the Lord to say, My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you love me. You know, just that, that awareness of being seen by the Lord. And uh, as I teach people about prayer, you know, if you start off with just that awareness of being seen by the Lord, how he looks at us with great delight, uh, it's been a successful time of prayer because we put ourselves into the presence of the Lord and that relationship of being a beloved child uh, is, is rekindled within us. And then the rest of it is sort of a, an unpacking of, of just that, that friendship, that, that relationship, that being a child before the Lord and just opening your heart up to them. So that's kind of how I start. And that's so, that's so foundational to, to setting up a, a time of prayer. I think awareness is the first step. I think the second step is permission. Uh, really giving the Lord permission to love me <laughs> in that space, however I come that day, and to acknowledge that in an honest way. Um, so in the catechism, it talks about like adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication as a movement of prayer. So oftentimes in a holy hour, that's kind of how I'll move through my time of prayer. So taking time just to acknowledge adoration. This is who you are. Let me tell you who you are so that you can tell me who I am. Hmm. Um, and then recognizing where those two things don't match up in contrition. <laughs> um, and then just thanksgiving, being able to pour out, um, pour out gratitude for the gifts because gratitude keeps us honest in so many ways. And then as we're grateful to recognize the places where we're being invited to, to intercede for others. It's beautiful. Patty, what about you? What, I know oh, you, spend, you spend time with our Lord every day. I do, and I love my hour of adoration. It's just the most powerful place, um, the Adoration Chapel at St. Ferdinand Parish, and my, and my time there with the Lord. I can honestly say I begin each hour similar to what you said, Father. I always just in my heart say, Jesus, I love you, I adore you, I praise you, and I thank you. I start right that. And then, usually in my heart, I say, I bring to you and it might be a person that's on my heart that day. It might be a situation that I'm going through. It might be my crabbiness. I bring to you my brokenness. I bring to you my joy. I bring to you my thanksgiving. So it's kind of like I, I, I want to bring to Jesus. I think of um, 
the gospel where the friends brought the guy in on the stretcher. You know, they had to open up the roof and bring him down. And, and, and I want to do that actually when I go to adoration as well. Who do I want to bring to Jesus? Who do I want to bring? And what's going on in my heart that I can bring to Jesus? So I'm kind of also just laying it all out there. And I'm a journaler, so I have to admit, I have my journal in adoration, but that's kind of the way that I become honest with myself and honest with what's going on in my heart. And then that's when I'm writing, I bring to you this and that and this and that. And, um, and I just lay it there at the foot of at the feet of Jesus. One day my pastor called me to ask if he could borrow a speaker for an event they were having. But when I answered the phone, I said, hello. He said, Adam, where are you? And I said, I'm at my house, Father. And he said, no, you're supposed to say I hid myself because I was afraid. That's what Adam <laughs> says when someone says, where are you, Adam? And, but then we started talking about that. And, and again, going into the Adoration Chapel, maybe you're having those doubts about your life. Maybe you're having that confusion. God, what are you calling me to? And, and your plan, I, I think this is you're calling me to this, but my plan was that. And, and this and that are not the same thing. And, and we, we don't need to hide ourselves because, number one, he already knows where we're at. I mean, God wasn't asking that question because he didn't know where Adam was. He was asking that question for Adam's benefit, for Adam to identify where he was. And uh, once, once Father got through that with me, it was a two-by-four. And I think as we talk about vocations specifically, to the young men discerning and to the young women discerning, if maybe they're saying, I always thought my path was to marriage and motherhood or to marriage and fatherhood, that that's something that they need to take to the Lord and say, Lord, I think you might be calling me to this, and here's where I'm at. And not to say, so let's go to where I want to go, but to say, show me the way. Show me the path. Yeah, I think that's part of the permission, right? So I start by giving him permission to love me, giving him permission to speak, giving him permission to move. That's actually one of my prayers every day is, come Holy Spirit, act in me, move in me, breathe in me. Mm. And just kind of that permission uh, for him to, to, to make those plans known and to see where my desires actually were deeper than the plans that I had to fulfill those desires and that the ways that he wants to fulfill those desires is so much deeper and more aligned. Yeah, we're going to go to a break here in a minute, but before we uh, part ways with Sister Mary Carolyn and, and with Father Brian Alford, I do want to throw this out there. You know, Sister and I, like we said earlier, you're not a vocations recruiter. This isn't, the, this isn't the armed forces. We're grateful for the men and women who serve, but it's not like you walk into Sister's office, sign on the dotted line, and then they've got you for life. So if, if you are discerning right now, or, or, or you're thinking, well, maybe I should discern, What's, what's the first step? You know, wh where do you go from there when she think, oh, God might be calling me to the priesthood or religious life? Yeah, I think having that conversation with a trusted person who knows the Lord and kind of sharing what's happening, so whether that's a spiritual director or just a spiritual mentor, someone who's a little bit further along than you in the spiritual life, and then maybe they can help you make that connection with a vocation director if that is the step that is, is needed and invited. And what about for the men, Father? What advice would you give them? A very similar. I mean, be, it, it's so dangerous for us to do anything by ourselves in the spiritual life, especially, you know, discerning something as important as a vocation to really ask and invite somebody in who could maybe see things that maybe we're not seeing and help us to think about things uh, through uh, a lens that, uh, again, we, we sometimes approach our, our relationship with the Lord with, uh, with those biases, with those wounds, and that we need that outside perspective to help to shed that light that we otherwise can't see. So yeah, I think it's so important to bring somebody trusted in, a priest, uh, doesn't have to be a vocation director, but uh, certainly somebody who can journey with you on that. Well, if you're listening to the podcast version of this broadcast later on and you're here at Focus, we've made it very, well, Focus has made it very easy for you. There are so many religious orders that you can just go and have those conversations. Tell me about your charisms. Tell me about your apostolate, what you do. Uh, if you're from the Diocese of Springfield, the, you know, the diocese is hanging out here. You can get your selfie with the Holy Goalie over at their booth as well. 
Um, but if you're at home listening and you live in the Diocese of Springfield, it's such an easy web address to go to if you want more information on vocations. That's right, dio.org, and uh, couldn't be easier than that. Yeah, and, and then the uh, Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George in Alton, Illinois, have an easy website, too. Altonfranciscans.org. We, we don't make it any easier than that. Uh, in St. Louis, archstl or stlvocations.org. Um, in Belleville, it's diobell.org. I know Bishop McGovern is uh, very passionate about vocations over there, and his vocation staff are, are doing some great things. Jeff City as well, and, and Bishop Rice down in Springfield, Cape Girardeau, um, you know, a, another. All of our bishops are such great promoters of vocation. So have those conversations. Uh, Father, could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Heavenly Father, you continue to seek us out and to find us in those places where uh, we need to be found. Lord, we give you permission to to locate uh, within our hearts those places that are most in need of your light, most in need of your healing. Open our hearts to give you that uh, permission to uh, to lead us, to guide us, to breathe within us so that we can do your will and to realize the great plans that you have for us, the plans for our happiness, our holiness in this life, and ultimately for eternal life in heaven. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven, a special edition coming to you live from Seek 23, but don't go anywhere. We've got more to come after this. Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. We are back for this special afternoon broadcast here at the SEEK conference. My name is Patty Schneier. I'm here with Adam Wright. It's been just such a joy to have these special broadcasts here at the convention. We've been meeting so many wonderful people and just having a blast together. But we hope you, our listeners, have enjoyed hearing these special broadcasts from SEEK, from Focus, and just getting a little glimpse, a little taste of what's going on here in downtown St. Louis this entire week with 17,000, some people say 20,000, however many it is. It's a lot of people. And uh, it's such a joy to bring it to you through Covenant Network so that everyone can know about the joy that is here. Amen. And I want to remind you, there is still time. Uh, Their day pass is still available. The conference goes today, tomorrow on Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday morning wraps up with Holy Mass. Uh, But tomorrow night, especially for those in the Archdiocese of St. Louis listening, a very special event. It's a night of adoration. If you go to archstl.org, that's A-R-C-H-S-T-L dot O-R-G, at the top of the homepage there, there's a a little rotating carousel of images. And the third one will tell you all about the adoration night, 7.30 to 11, I believe, tomorrow night, right here in the dome. It's going to be powerful. They're expecting more than 20,000 people. So come down to be a part of this adoration. Can you imagine being part of adoration with 20,000 people? It's going to be phenomenal. I mean, again, Patty, we've been saying this all week, but it takes me back to 1999 when St. John Paul II was here, and he's still here with us today. Uh, The power of the faith at work in this city, in this convention center, is absolutely amazing. So and this is one of the biggest things that has come to the Archdiocese since John Paul II. I mean, we've had yeah. big things, but this is one of them for sure. So a, a couple final things before we sign off here. Uh, please pray, pray, pray 
for all of the young adults and, and the faithful gathered here at the convention. Uh, as you can imagine, these are fun days, but they are long days, and it's really easy when we get tired to maybe just, you know, the devil likes to get at us then. Uh, so pray for them. We, we, we all could use your prayers. And uh, pray in Thanksgiving, more, more, most especially, because God is doing some amazing things here. And just the folks that we've been able to meet, whether it's the converts to Catholicism, you know, today we met a young man who we said in all likelihood you could be related to St. Therese because your last name is Martin and her last name was Martin. And then we found out he's an RCIA. Yeah, And exactly. it's just the stories, the stories, the stories have been phenomenal. And, you know, I want to say one thing to all of our listeners. You know, we've been talking for years about Covenant Network growing and expanding, and we have all these pledge drives all the time. We talk about what does your money go to. For us to have the capability to record live here at this convention and bring it to you on location. This is new for us. This is something that it doesn't just happen. It happens because of the support of our listeners. So I want you to know that us being here right now at this conference all week long, broadcasting live and interacting with so many young people, that's one of the reasons or one of the things that your contributions to Covenant Network have helped us to be able to do. So I want to give a huge thank you to all of our benefactors at Covenant Network, to all of you listeners who called in during pledge drives. Because being here and being able to meet so many young people and then to be able to broadcast live is because of you. All right. Well, as we wrap up today, we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., assuming that we wake up in time. This is a long week, here, I'm telling it's, you. It's a blessed week. It's so much fun. It is. It, I am on fire for And this if you're week. at home and you want to join in the fun, be sure to check out Our Catholic Radio on Instagram or Facebook. We're posting images all the time. We've got a great social media team down here doing some amazing work. And you can, you can feel like you're right there in the thick of it at Our Catholic Radio on Facebook and Instagram, and we can't wait to share what's going on here and how the Lord is working with you. In the meantime, let's close with prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as, as it, it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, now and, and ever, ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. And I'm Patty Schneier. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning from Seek 23. In the meantime, we send you back to our studio where we're still celebrating Christmas. It's not Epiphany yet. It's still Christmas. And uh, we're going to celebrate that here on the air. Until next time, God bless and pray your rosary today.